You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 154, it's our Wrestlemania 34 post-show. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, this is our first ever live in-studio at the same time podcast. What do you think? Yes, we are We're sharing the Barbasol Studios here tonight. Wrestlemania 34 is in the books. It was a long show, and you still have to drive home tonight, so let's get through this quick. What did you think of the... Uh, the pre-show open with the men's Andre the Giant Battle Royal won by Matt Hardy. What would you think? Uh, I think you and I talked about this about a million years ago, seemingly, that uh, this whole Bray and Matt thing was going to end with them being a team. And, in fact, Bray Wyatt returned to help Matt Hardy win the match. So, uh, hashtag scoops, we were right. And uh, it was fine. I, Matt was the closest thing to a star in that match, so I guess it's good that he won, right? I guess it was a bunch of geeks. It was a lot of geeks. And I think the crowd was confused because they thought maybe Bray was entering the match as a participant. And then he, the bell just rang. I thought that was weird. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe the, maybe the timekeeper or the, the person that cues the music wasn't aware of, of the finish either because the Matt and Bray sort of just stood and stared at each other for about 30 seconds. And then Matt's music hit to let you know that he'd won. So I thought that, yeah, it looked a little, little bit awkward on, on the finish there. But, uh, I mean, it was fine. It's a, it's a battle royal. Cedric Alexander beat Mustafa Ali for the Cruiserweight title. I have not been watching 205 Live, so uh, this is the first I've gotten to see uh, Cedric and Mustafa in a while. Mustafa's pretty innovative, one of the more creative guys in the company. I would have been fine with either guy winning. They chose Cedric, which was this match at the level or below the level of some of the recent 205 Live matches that everyone's been singing the praises of? Uh, I think it was a little below that. Um, there, I mentioned on the show kind of in passing a few weeks ago, there was a, a Cedric Roderick Strong match that was pretty incredible. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff on 205 Live. The crowds are always dead, so that's always going to hurt the show. The crowd was pretty hot for this. Obviously, it's the pre-show. Not everybody had, file, had uh, filed in yet. But the crowd did respond pretty well, especially when they started hitting those big moves at the end. As you mentioned, Mustafa's pretty pretty darn spectacular. And uh, they've sort of been building up Cedric for something for a while, and they decided to pull the trigger on it. And, yeah, I got no problems with that. It's a nice moment for him. Then they had the Women's Battle Royal, and Becky, Bailey, and Sasha were the only women that got entrances. All of the women ganged up on who was that at the beginning they ganged up on Carmella that's right they ganged up on Carmella and threw her out and then like the NXT girls formed uh, a faction and we're gonna fight but then they all got tossed pretty quickly Bianca Belair did do a shooting star she did something oh she did a 450 off top that's right and uh Kyrie Sane did her elbow, but that was in a commercial break. Like, a lot of this was rushed. 
it built to a big spot between Bailey and Sasha at the end. Sasha offered a hand in friendship. Bailey threw her out, but turns out Naomi was never eliminated, and Naomi eliminated uh, eliminated Bailey. So friendship lost tonight. Sasha and Bailey lost tonight. <laughs> the women lost tonight. As the, the, it felt like they made a big deal of of it in the build to this match, but then the match itself, I felt like they rushed. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, nothing, nothing super wrong with anything that they did, but yeah, not not much, uh, not much in the way of memorable stuff on the show. As you mentioned, I mean, the, the ending with with Bailey and and Sasha was the crowd got into that, and crowd actually popped very big for Naomi winning. So, it, I mean, yeah, the ending was fine. As you mentioned, there wasn't a, a lot of like spectacular eliminations or or anything like that. Not a lot of really, there were no, you know, returning legends or anything, which they had kind of teased no Bella twins, no, uh, no Trish or Lita or anybody on that level either, which as, as we mentioned on our, on our preview show, because the women's Royal rumble was so recent, it would have been hard to bring back those stars again that quickly, I guess. But yeah, a little, maybe a little bit of a letdown, but you, uh, you set something up for whatever they're going to do with Sasha and Bailey on TV going forward and and Naomi gets uh you know a feel good win. Nothing wrong with it, just nothing super spectacular. Then uh, so we were I guess the pre-show officially kicked off at 5:30 or the first match went in the ring at about 5:30 Eastern. So we're at like the 90 minute mark and we've had three matches. <laughs> and so then we get the fourth match an hour and a half into the show. As the the main show opener, Seth Rollins won the Intercontinental title, defeating uh, the Miz and Finn Balor. They're making a big deal about Miz being this long-reigning champion. I thought they might let him kind of backdoor his way into keeping the title, but uh, they give it to Rollins, and I thought this was probably somewhere in the four-star range, a really good opener. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's all kind of tough, as as we talked about on our, on our NXT post-show anything trying to follow that ladder match or the, the Gargano Ciampa match was going to be hard, hard to do. But as far as openers go, I mean, you're not going to see a lot of better opening matches, especially on a WrestleMania than uh, what these guys did. Everybody got a chance to shine. Uh, Finn looked great in the match and everybody got cool entrances and uh, yeah, it's everything. I think it's everything you want. got the crowd fired up. Uh, yeah, a really good match and, and Seth's the champion, which I, and I'm fine with that. I think, I like the idea over the last few years, and it's it's been with mixed success. But guys like Roman and Cena, and now Seth, holding those mid card titles, at least in theory, should help those titles mean a little bit more. So I'm all for uh, for Seth holding that belt for a while, uh, and maybe maybe having some really good TV matches with guys. So I'll point it out on Twitter that Seth is one of like 10 guys who's worked both the opener and the closer at WrestleManias. Uh, so, you know, kind of very slowly, quietly, kind of maybe building a, a Hall of Fame career for himself here. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I mean, that puts him in company with with Daniel Bryan, with Bret Hart, uh, probably Shawn Michaels maybe, and... Jericho, like there's a lot. Yeah, that's a that's rarefied air to be sure. So that's that's a that's a nice little factoid. Charlotte beat Asuka, so Charlotte ended Asuka's streak. I thought this also was probably in the four star range. If you want to go four and a quarter or something, I wouldn't four and a half even. I thought this was probably. I'm not sure if it was the most fun match on the show, but it was probably the best match on the show. 
Um, are you surprised that Charlotte was ready for Asuka and that uh, Carmella didn't cash in here? Well, I'm a little surprised in the way that it ended with her with Asuka tapping out. I think I don't think and a lot of people expected that. You and I had kind of bandied about over the last few weeks the idea of it's still Vince McMahon's company and the tall blonde woman. It's generally not a bad idea to bet on a woman that looks like Charlotte winning a match in Vince McMahon's company. But, uh, I mean, a little bit. I mean, it's still a surprise. It's still a big deal. The crowd reacted like it was a big deal. Um, and I, to me, it, it, it evoked, uh, this, is, this is a wacky comparison, but I'm going to make it, uh, Okada and Naito at the Tokyo Dome this year, uh, where a lot of people said, this is Naito's time. He's the challenger going in. He, you got to have him win the title here. And they didn't. And the reason they didn't is because they're trying to tell the story that Okada is the greatest IWGP heavyweight champion of all time. And so he has to beat everybody. And at the same time, and in the video package before the match, they showed Charlotte being in the first Hell in a Cell, women's Hell in a Cell match. Showed her being, you know, this multi-time champion, being in the first women's Money in the Bank match, all these first-time things. They want, their narrative is going to be, and it probably already is, Charlotte is the greatest woman in the history of WWE. And so to do that, she had to be the woman that ends the streak and gets to be part of all these big first-time matches and so if you look at it as if you accept that this is the story they're telling, that's a good way to tell it. She beat the person that nobody else could beat. If you look at it as, oh, it wasn't the right time or an established star beating her doesn't do as much as it would have if an up-and-comer beat is the one that beat Asuka, you can make that argument. But for the story they were telling, which is that Charlotte's the greatest of all time, that I, it worked, right? Yeah, yeah, I get I get what you're saying there, and yeah, I'm I wouldn't I'm not sure I would have done it. Uh, they did they did some crazy stuff here. They did a Spanish fly off the top. Charlotte was bleeding from her arm or something at some point. I'm not sure how that happened. Um, but and then we had uh, the strange spot during the celebration. I thought the post match was really good too. The Oscar really putting Charlotte over, not turning on her, uh, <laughs> and but then uh, a referee ran out from the back and uh, jumped into the crowd where John Cena was sitting and informed him that The Undertaker was here. So we got... I kind of wish we'd just gotten John Cena in the crowd all night. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they cut to him quite frequently for those for the first couple of matches and all through the pre-show. John got to his seats early, which was nice. He didn't didn't bury the pre-show. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was, he was fun. Uh, it maybe took a little bit away from the Charlotte celebration, having... Cena sprint by her up the ramp to go get ready, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was an entertaining little bit, and they they did sort of fulfill their promise. He sat there, he drank beers, he cheered with the fans, and uh, they sort of they fulfilled their they fulfilled what they promised, which is that John Cena was going to be a fan on this show. Jinder Mahal won the U.S. title in a four way. He pinned Rusev. I f- I'm sorry. One of the Singhs in- interfered. Samil Singh interfered on Jinder's behalf, and uh, Jinder pinned Rusev because he just knew, because of the strange relationship that WWE has with its fans, that one of the most over guys on the show, Rusev, was going to get pinned on this show. And in fact, he did, and Jinder won the U.S. title. I didn't think the match was anything. I'm not advocating that it should have gone long. 
but it just didn't feel like anything special to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Not much to say here. Just uh, just a really quick, uh, simple match. Everybody kind of got a moment. Orton went on his RKO parade. You know, Rude got to do his pose and got you know they got the big entrances out of the way, which was nice and and everything. But yeah, it was it was uh, it was forgettable. It was it felt like a SmackDown TV match, which is obviously not what you want on a WrestleMania card. Kurt and Ronda beat Triple H and Stephanie. This, I'm, I'm not sure if it was the best match on the show, as I said earlier, but it was probably the most fun match on the show. Ronda, I mean, I'm sure this was choreographed to the umpteenth degree because Stephanie was in it, involved, and she's, you know, a non-athlete. <laughs> but um, this was great. This is much better than it had any right to be, given the physical condition of the guy's and the limited experience of Ronda and the fact that Stephanie's not really a worker. Um, I thought this was a blast. What did you think of, of this? I can't imagine a way it could have been better, honestly. Uh, they pulled out all the stops. They they waited the right amount of time uh, to, to keep Ronda and Steph apart. They had Steph sort of do some cheap shots on Ronda right at the start of the match. And then they finally built the tag, and and Ronda beat the crap out of her, threw her all around, and they keep kept teasing that Ronda was going to get the arm bar, and Steph kept blocking it. You know, Steph, the well-known jujitsu practitioner that she is, and uh, but uh, it it worked, and they actually did a bunch of stuff where it's sort of in, intergender. This is the closest thing you're going to get to see intergender match in WWE. You know, Triple H did spots with Ronda. Kurt put Stephanie in the ankle lock. Uh, it was it was crazy. It was a spectacle. They did do the the tandem submission spot, but it was not the finish. Hunter kicked Kurt into Ronda, and then they ended up. Uh, but they ended up coming right back, and Ronda did finally get the the full arm bar on Stephanie, and Steph tapped out immediately. So it's yeah. As far as the debut, I don't know as a showcase, as a fun, as a WrestleMania level match it's i think it's the most memorable thing that came out of this show and it's it's one of it's definitely one of the more higher positives of the show as you mentioned if you're talking pure wrestling match i think probably oscar and charlotte's the best match on this show but yeah as far as fun as far as memorable i don't think anything uh could top this from from the opening with ronda coming out and uh the doing the roddy piper tribute to uh, you know the whole the whole match. It was it was it was done perfectly. And hey, if it if it needs to be choreographed to be that good, I'm okay with it. I don't necessarily know that that's that's a problem. I know people ragged on guys like Randy Savage or DDP for for laying out their matches move by move and and writing it all out. But hey, man, if it works for you, whatever you need to do to have a great match, do it because that was great. The Bludgeon Brothers, they didn't bludgeon anyone on this show, but they did win the SmackDown Tag Titles over the New Day and the Usos. Uh, not a whole lot to this. I don't have the times for the show in front of me, but um, this was very short, and clearly <laughs> I don't know why this wasn't on the pre-show. Uh, if it had not been the narrative, if the Usos had not brought up in promos that they had never been on the main card... I think it absolutely would have been on the pre-show, but because that was sort of part of the story, I think they felt like they had to put it on the main card. But yeah, it it, it just didn't have a place here. Uh, you know, Bludgeon Brothers won pretty quickly, and 
that's fine. We talked about that. There, you know, you needed you needed a new team on top. The Usos have pretty much run through everybody multiple times by by this point. So, uh, and and maybe soon we get a we get the draft or, or just some NXT call ups, and you get a team like the Officer Pain up there, uh, somebody fresh to to feud with the Bludgeon Brothers. I'm uh, I'm fine with them winning, but yeah, as far as a match goes, uh, very forgettable. So we had Cena come out for a match came out in his gear in the ring announcer announce him um then elias came out seen and elias did some spots elias got his stuff in um and then the undertaker's coat and jacket appeared and then they were trans uh, teleported by magic to to his body and the undertaker the dead man himself rides again Undertaker beat John Cena, and according to the report on the uh, WrestlingObserver.com here, the match went less than three minutes, which honestly, at this point, is probably for the best. Taker was moving pretty well for guys 53, and has had at least one hip replacement. Uh, I had no desire to see Taker wrestle. I would have been fine if this was just a cameo, and that's kind of what it turned out to be. What were your expectations for this, and uh, what did you think of what they actually did? Yeah, I think all things considered, given the the physical shape that both guys are in at this stage of their careers, I think it was probably way better than than what I expected. And, I mean, it can be tough. I mean, last year, obviously, he was coming off a hip surgery. Everybody knew he was. He was in really bad shape, cosmetically and physically. And it was was just a bad—and they tried to go 35 minutes, and it was awful. And this year, he did did his greatest hits— and he hit a tombstone and won, and that's fine. Um, I mean, it, I, I, it's a shame maybe we didn't get this five years ago. But I mean, as a whole, I, I, I mean, I would call it a net, net positive. Uh, you know, Undertaker got to the lasting memory of Undertaker doesn't have to be him being sad and and kind of fat and and uh, and losing. So there's, you know, if if he wants to come back and have a real match next year, I would, uh, I would advertise against it. But uh, advise against it, not advertise. It's late, guys. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was fine. I I thought it was fine, and Undertaker got to play his greatest hits. I had no problems with that. I was glad for Elias to get a spot too on this show. Um, you knew he was going to, but he, you know, that guy's really good at what he does. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon beat Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, Daniel Bryan tapped out Sami Zayn with the yes lock. But the bulk of this match was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn beating up Shane McMahon. Uh, they did they did a stretcher job with Brian at the beginning of the match. He came back. Like I I don't have the times in front of me, but it felt like ninety percent of this match was Kevin and Sami beating on Shane. Shane did his coast to coast at one point and nearly killed himself as he does every time he tries the coast to coast now because he's a million years old and he needs surgery. What do you think of Daniel Bryan's first match back slash the Shane McMahon show? Yeah, there it was. A, it was a whole lot of Shane McMahon. Um, I, I love, I love Daniel Bryan. He's my favorite wrestler. I've said that on the show before. Really glad that he's back. He got a really cool entrance. Um, the stretcher job was uh, pretty obviously. They were playing off the finish of the WrestleMania 30 main event where Orton and Batista laid him out. He went on the stretcher. He jumped off the stretcher, made his comeback and won. That's basically what happened here. Um, I mean, yeah, Shane, Shane did his best. (laughs) 
I'm uh, I'm in a good mood and I'm tired. I don't have the energy to scream, so I'll be pleasant. Just say Shane did his best. His best is not very good. So the bulk of the match was not very good. But as a spectacle, Daniel Bryan again got to come out there, do all his moves, did his big running, you know, did the running drop kicks, did you know, uh, you know, took bumps, uh, you know, took the pop up power bomb. Uh, you know, the, they were obviously very safe with him and, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. I'm really glad he's back, but yes, as you mentioned, far too much Shane McMahon. Uh, I mean, just in general, there's too much, but especially in this match. Not sure if I mentioned the hall of fame or not. The hall of fame guys came out before that match, except for kid rock who was not there. Brian had a, a big bruise on his right bicep also. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything to that. I know he, like, can't tan. Um, and so, like, every bumper bruise that shows up on him. But, eh. I mean, if it comes out, this dude hurt his arm really bad. I won't be shocked. Um, so then they announced 78000 plus for this show. It's probably ten to 12000 less than that, I'm guessing. But... Um, and then Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax for the Raw Women's title. Nia beat Alexa. Alexa raked Nia's eyes a lot. Nia did the slowest. <laughs> I don't know. You want to talk about this match? <laughs> it was it was everything it shouldn't be. We mentioned with Undertaker and Cena that it was exactly what it should have been. This was the opposite. They went forever. And crowd, if the crowd did have any investment in it in this match, it was to see Nia kill the small mean girl, and they didn't do that. And Alexa got the heat for like a preposterously long time, and then finally Nia made her comeback. And as you mentioned, she basically stood still, and Alexa ran into her fists, um, which is fine when you're a heel and you're being the big monster. When you're a babyface, you got to move. And it's not necessarily Nia's fault. She hasn't, she wasn't trained to be a babyface. So maybe she'll get better at that. She can work on, you know, work on that. Uh, but I don't want to watch WrestleMania to see people learning on the job. So, yeah, this this didn't do much for me. Nice moment for Nia. The babyface did, in fact, tri- triumph, which for the story they told, it's imperative that the babyface wins the title clean, and they did pay that off. So it's it's fine, but uh, not uh, not. It just went too long. That's that's the long and short of it. Uh, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura wrestled for the WWE title. I think we predicted Nakamura winning on this, and uh, we were incorrect. AJ Styles retained the title, and Nakamura turned heel afterwards. I'm not even sure. If this is, like, I don't know. I've seen better AJ Styles TV matches. I thought the AJ Jinder match where AJ won the title was a better match than this. And um, we were talking here at our, you know, our party here. I don't think, I just don't think Nakamura can go anymore. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. They weren't, t- I don't know. What What did you think of uh, AJ Nakamura, the turn, the match quality, etc.? Yeah, it felt to me like they... For whatever reason, maybe it's because Nakamura doesn't have the ability to do so anymore. This was not the New Japan main event style match. Um, I, you know, I just recently rewatched their match at Wrestle Kingdom, which was probably a little bit of a mistake 
because that match is is uh, no pun intended phenomenal. Uh, it's one of the best matches of the last few years, I think. Um, this was a good professional wrestling match. Um, they as uh, we talked about it uh, during the match, they probably could have used a little more of the finisher kickouts that might have helped them get the crowd a little bit more. But they kind of just worked a competent championship match, babyface professional wrestling match. You know, they did a lot of counters and exchanged holds, and AJ did some amateur wrestling stuff, and Nakamura did some of his worked MMA, and it was all fine. But it was, you know, it's at that point it was it was nearing eleven o'clock, or it might have been after eleven o'clock by then, and it was just it's just not the the slow build is not what you want. Um, talked about that on our on our post show when I when I talked about the ROH show it's just some sometimes you just can't do that you got to you got to go fast and you got to you got it's got to be a sprint if if you're at that point in the show but obviously you know, maybe maybe they're holding back a bit we're going to obviously get probably a a few more uh, matches between these guys with Nakamura as the heel now maybe Nakamura working as more of an overt heel will be good for him and he can sort of rediscover some of that fire or a or find a different way to work a WWE style that is a little more intense or interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think if you said this was a letdown, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. But uh, I mean, the post-match was really good. Um, what did you think? Yeah, I'm fine. Like, I don't think Nakamura should ever be a heel, but considering he's a babyface that has lost every time he's gone for the championship to this point, I mean, you might as well. And just knowing that, you know, we're talking here tonight, uh, Vince McMahon has always booked Japanese guys to be sneaky heels. Make of that what you will. This is from a man who was born around the time of Pearl Harbor. Let's just, let's just, let's just speak factually for a moment. It's true. And that's how Vince McMahon has always booked Japanese guys. And it continues here. So what you're saying is Nakamura's going to win the title next month by throwing ceremonial salt in AJ's eyes. I've been watching Vince McMahon booking for 30 years now. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, Speaking of Vince McMahon booking, I'm assuming, you know, by the way, the Sports Illustrated guy, I actually thought for a minute I was going to have to eat crow today. when After the Sports Illustrated guy reported in his column a week or two ago that Rey Mysterio is going to be Braun Strowman's partner tonight. And then I read online today that Ray was at the WWE hotel this morning. Oh man, am I going to actually have to eat crow? Does this guy know what he's talking about? No. Bra- Braun Strowman and 10 year old boy, Nicholas are the new raw tag team champions. Liam. Yes. And there was also a, a Mardi Gras float and, and Braun chased some mascots around and then yes, a, a small boy named Nicholas uh, won won the Raw Tag Team titles. There was a hot tag to Nicholas at one point, and uh, and then Braun won. So I don't I don't I don't get it. It was like something out of a a DDT show or some of those other weird Japanese promotions. I do think so. Yeah, like that's that's where that stuff belongs. I mean, I'm sure. Hey, Braun gave Jim Cornette and all those other old guys something to rant about on their podcast this week. So. Good for them. It's, it's good hashtag content, but uh, it's just it was just weird and it was wacky and it was eleven thirty. Uh, 
Eastern Standard Time, and I didn't want to see this. So I kind of hated this, but it was so preposterous by the end that it kind of won me over, and I was I, I laughed. I so it was meant to be comedy, and I laughed. So I guess mission accomplished. Crowd both vociferously booed and went nuts for Nicholas at different points. <laughs> he got he got a great hot tag. He tagged in. He stood there, tagged him back out immediately. <laughs> I don't know. Now is this kid going on the road? <laughs> I mean, how's he gonna rent a car? How's he gonna How's he gonna make towns, brother? Uh, I I don't know. I'm not sure if they know. Here's a serious question: Do you think he was a plant? Because if you told me he wasn't, I would believe you. Even though I would think in this day and age, all WWE wouldn't be stupid enough not to make it a plant. But they had like Nia wrestle like a 17 year old girl on TV a few weeks ago or <laughs> a couple of months ago. So I believe anything at this point. Uh yeah, I mean, if he's an actor or something from like a local, the local New Orleans acting commission or something, he he very well he was very good at portraying a scared child who didn't want to be on TV. Uh, so mission accomplished, I guess. When it was main event time, Brock Lesnar retained the Universal Title, beating Roman Reigns. They went in the ring at about 11.43 or 11.45 Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, and this thing went to the closing video package at 12.05. They they went past midnight. Uh, Brock retained the title. Ton of F5s, ton of suplexes, ton of Superman punches, one spear. I guess we'll have to see what's going to happen here. We were talking a little bit about this. What do you think this means? Brock retained the title. Oh, I should should mention also, crowd chanted for CM Punk. The crowd threw beach balls around. I guess there's a couple of different, uh, also of note, Roman bladed. So, so much for you to go into here. But uh, beach balls, CM Punk, the finish, Roman blading. Where do they go from here? Is Brock still in the fold? What do you think of the main event of this WrestleMania 34? So much to talk about. So much we can't talk about. Uh, yeah, the match wasn't very good. Um, it's not. It wasn't bad in any way. It was a pretty standard Brock fair, but the Brock, the current Brock template, is required on the fans being invested in what he's doing and popping or booing when he hits the hundred suplexes and the and the F five and everything. And the crowd just crapped all over this. And as you mentioned, they chanted for CM Punk, who he's not coming back. Just chant for somebody. If you're gonna, if you want to voice your displeasure, I, I'm okay with that. Chant for somebody that's on the roster. Chant for Daniel Bryan. Chant for AJ Styles. Chant for Johnny Gargano. Chant for Ty Dillinger. Chant for anybody who likes wrestling and wants to be on wrestling. And this is not an anti-punk thing. God bless him. He quit. He didn't. He was unhappy. He went and found something that would make him happy. God bless him. But he, him coming back would not be a happy thing. It would be he lost all his money and had to come back on his hands and knees, and he'd be miserable. So don't chant for CM Punk. Chant for somebody that wants to be in wrestling. Again, not begrudging him for not wanting to be in wrestling. But just that's that's all. That's all I got for CM Punk chanters here in 2018. He left. He left four years ago. It's all over, man. He's never coming back. Um, there was a wrestling match, right? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, the match wasn't very good. As you mentioned, Roman bladed, and he bladed like a guy who has never bladed before because he had what you would call the gusher and just uh, his face a crimson mask as uh, uh, right right along the hairline, which is a, is a pretty old-school trick of you know trying to make sure your forehead stays pris- pristine. Um, but uh, I mean, they, they tried. They worked really hard. Uh, crowd just didn't want it. Crowd wasn't having it. You mentioned chanting for beach balls, chanting boring, chanting this is awful, and then Brock hit five F5s and finally won. Um, as far as what this means, I mean, it seems like there's a couple of scenarios. One, Dana White's enough of a carny that he was willing to help them with their pro wrestling storyline of Brock leaving and Brock's not leaving at all. Uh, secondary storyline could be that Brock, look, Brock's pretty old, and I'll let you talk about this in, in more in depth. Brock's, I, if Brock does go back to UFC, he's probably not going for the long term. So, do you think it's possible they just worked out some kind of deal where he'll be in both? I mean, that's a distinct possibility. Brock's forty, and you know the heavyweight division in UFC is not the deepest. Um, I don't think he wants any piece of Cain Velasquez. He quit fighting once because of Cain Velasquez. Uh, he doesn't like getting hit hard. Steve Miocic hits like a freight train. Uh, Daniel Cormier is a, probably a pretty safe fight for Brock and vice versa. But Cormier said he's going to retire before he's 40 and he's like 39 now. So he's going to have like one or two more fights in his career ever. He still has a suspension uh, to figure out. It's possible too. Dana White, like last time he thought Bro- Brock was coming back is an unwilling uh, participant in an angle and isn't aware or it's possible. Yeah. Brock says, look, I, you know, I'm 40. I have, you know, one to three more years where I can fight. Uh, I want to go make, you know, five, $6 million for a six week training camp and, you know, 15 minutes of fighting. I don't, you know, I totally believe that. And Vince let him fight when he was under contract to him once before. So absolutely anything is possible. I mean, we've heard different things about Brock. We've heard that there were some things that would tie him to the company contractually through August. We've heard that he was wrapping up tonight. We've heard that he was wrapping up Monday night. You know, we've heard a lot of different things. And, you know, I I will say I, I, I would be shocked if he's not back in WWE in some form or fashion pretty soon now if he goes away you know i mean i i I don't know i think uh there's probably something to the lashley thing where lashley's rumored to be coming in very soon and they wanted to do a program between the two of them i don't know if you know brock still has a suspension too and we don't know if he's back in the drug testing pool so he might not be able to fight for six more months um I don't know. It's just a lot of a lot of things we don't know. So much to talk about and so much we just don't know enough to talk about. But um, I don't know what the odds were. Do you know what the odds were um, in terms of uh, Brock uh, retaining? Uh, I know Ro- Rowan was uh, favored as of yesterday, I'm pretty sure. So there may have been sort of that late. There, I mean, I, there almost definitely always is. Uh, you can look back and see a big odd shift, you know, an hour before the match or an hour before the show starts, whenever the finishes uh, sort of leak out. Um, so that that's a possibility. I haven't checked that as of the time we're recording. But, yeah, as far as I know, Roman was favored pretty much all, all leading up to this. So um, this does seem like it was a last-minute decision. It is worth noting, uh, Paul Heyman said he does not give predictions. He gives spoilers. And every time he says that, 
uh, Brock wins clean with an F5. And that's a real valuable storytelling device um, because now the next time he says it, you're going to believe him a little bit more. It's going to put a little more doubt in your mind, even if it seems like there's no way it wouldn't make any sense for Brock to win here. If Paul Heyman comes out and says, hey, this is a spoiler. He's going to beat Bobby Lashley or or Finn Balor or Seth or whoever he wrestles next. You're going to, you're going to, it's going to be in the back of your mind. So that's a very effective tool. It was a nice little touch. And uh, I mean, it's, it's the biggest shock. It's, it's going to be outside of Ronda and maybe outside of Asuka. It was probably the biggest shock on the whole show. Um, it's, it's memorable in that way, I guess. And, and as you said, I think there's a good chance that, even if Brock does leave, I don't think he's leaving forever because eventually he's going to want to make more money and he can come in and make two or three million dollars and work however many dates for WWE. And I think he likes I think he likes doing that. And I don't. Yeah. So it's it's obviously a wait and see thing as far as the specifics, you know, what what who knew what when uh, we'll, we'll probably know all of that within the next week or two, maybe. But uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was a long show. It was a long, long, long show, uh, as is the theme of our post shows this weekend. Everything's too long. But overall, I thought a very good show, and if you cut out the fluff, you would have had maybe the best WrestleMania ever. Oh, yeah. For the first five hours of this, I thought it was the greatest Mania I'd ever seen, and then the show went on for two more hours. <laughs> but we are talking, too. It's like all of these promotions, everything is too long, and um, maybe that's just because we watch it. We have to... We, choose to slash have to watch everything it's like but none of this stuff exists in a vacuum and that's the problem is everybody acts as though their product exists in a vacuum and it doesn't everything shouldn't be four and a half hours or seven hours and ten minutes or however long media went tonight but we digress our fourth straight show my lord that's all i got uh wrestlemania 34 is in the books you have anything else liam or should we uh should i let you go home yeah i've uh I've had I've had a rough week and uh I need to I need to head on head on down the trail. And uh so let's uh let's let's get on out of here. Let's take it home. So until next time, for our intern Archie, who is resting peacefully on his bed several feet away, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back soon, but probably not this week, because we need our rest. With more stories from the wrestling life. Good night and good luck. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter 
at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. I try to keep on keeping on. 